Our scripture reading tonight uh, comes from Revelation 18, verses 1 through 8. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay back double for what she has done. Pour her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as a queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Um, so, uh, a heavy text but it's an important context for us as we think about how we want to be a sheep uh, and we don't want to be a Babylonian. Um, now, I've had several kind of ideas of sermon series that we could do that are based on songs from time to time. I, I, there are so many great songs in the world, uh, both secular as well as Christian, that, that just open us up to talk about great biblical concepts, and I just love having conversations about what these songs talk about. I didn't really imagine that I would choose a whole series around the song, I Just Want to Be a Sheep. Um, But it came to me, and we went with it, Um, and it's spring break, so the sanctuary isn't full of kids, uh, though we do have some, and we're glad you're here, Uh, but I'm not going to sing for you uh, the I Don't I just want to be a sheep song. Uh, but the verse for tonight would have been, I don't want to be a, from Babylon because they just babble on and on and on and on and on. I just want to be a sheep. All right? Um, and I'll try not to babble on and on. Um, but we do, we want to be sheep who stay close to Jesus. We want to trust him as our good shepherd. And we know that as he talks to us, as he's taught us through his word, as he's interacted with his disciples in particular, and through all the counsel of Scripture, Jesus invites us to see that there's a different way than the world operates in. The world has this way that makes sense. The system of the world is broken though and it's based on sin. And so, uh, in Revelation 18, we read how 
God declares for us that the day is coming when the system of the world, this broken system of the world where people vie for power, where um, the strongest survive and the richest get to control things and whatever it is that kind of screams out to us, this is broken and it's not working the way it should. God says the time is coming, the day is coming when that will be true. I'm going to put all that to rest and Babylon will no longer have power. And all the corruption that has been tied to relationships with Babylon and and the way of thinking is going to be put to rest. It's going to be destroyed. And the true way, the way of God, is the one that will endure forever and ever. And so Jesus invites us to be with him and as his sheep to follow him into this new way of living, this new way of thinking. But the way of Babylon makes a lot of sense to us and we're really used to it. And sometimes we even succumb to trying to use the tools of Babylon in order to do God's work. And we can get really confused by that. And so tonight we're invited to be sheep, to follow after Jesus, and to not be from Babylon. Who Babylon and on and on, but only in confusion. Our text for tonight comes from John chapter 18, uh, starting at verse 33. It's our scene with, with Jesus interacting with Pilate. So, The Pharisees are so frustrated with Jesus. And it's this perfect example uh, of the way of thinking of Babylon. So they, they seek to overpower Jesus by using the power systems of the world. And they bring Jesus to Pilate. And so Pilate has been interacting with the, the Pharisees trying to understand why they brought him brought this man to him. And then Pilate returns to where Jesus is, and that's where we pick up in verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there, and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, 
No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. So this whole scene with Jesus and Pilate is this ironic in Scripture um, as you know, Pilate only has authority because Jesus has given it to him. But now Jesus stands before Pilate accused, the master of the universe, and Pilate asserts his earthly authority over him. Because other religious leaders are trying to use the system of the world to solve their problems. So Jesus engages Pilate in conversation. Pilate's trying to understand the situation. Jesus is kind of cryptic. I think in part because he knows that if he says anything truthful or with any sense of authority, it'll all fall apart and he won't be sent to the cross. And his goal is not to prove that he's right and good, that he really is the king of the world. But instead, his goal is to rescue us from our sins. So first, um, what, what is Babylon? And um, we're having some technical difficulties today, if you haven't noticed. Uh, the slides change about five years after I push the button, um, but <laughs> it's okay. It'll happen. Um, what is Babylon? As we said, as we saw in Revelation 18, uh, Babylon is a symbol throughout Scripture, and certainly it was a historical empire. Babylonia really existed, and uh, it was part of the exile. Uh, Daniel was exiled to Babylon. Um, so it was this historical power, earthly power, but it's also used throughout Scripture as a symbol for the world system. It, re it represents for us the battle for power, the accumulation, uh, the desire to accumulate as much wealth and as much toys and treasure on earth as we can. Uh, it represents uh, the way we vie for status. Uh, and kind of, it represents kind of the, the whole broken system of scarcity in the world where some have and others do not. And so we want to be part of the people who have. Uh, there are examples in Scripture of how this works. Um, we see it, obviously, in our text tonight as, as the Pharisees are bringing Jesus to this earthly power. We also see it at times when the Pharisees and Sadducees, now there, there are times when they were uh, just supposed to work together. Um, but there are other times where the Pharisees and Sadducees had such completely different uh, philosophies and perspectives about even what God's Word was. You know, the Pharisees uh, took the whole Old Testament and added things to it, and the Sadducees only accepted the books of Moses, the first the Pentateuch. Um, the Sadducees were uh, kind of the liberal theologians of the day. They just were trying to leverage their faith in a world that would serve them. And to try to do that in a way that they could just live at peace and have the best of both worlds. 
That's maybe not a totally fair representation, but I think it suits us well enough for tonight. Whereas the Pharisees wanted the whole world to be shaped by their faith. They took the law very seriously and they, they added laws to it to help guide people. Um, so at, at these times when the Pharisees and Sadducees are each frustrated with Jesus that they come to work together, that's, a, that's a, an example of Babylon happening. Where they're like, We've got, we would never talk to each other otherwise, but now we have to join forces and get stronger to fight this thing that we both are annoyed by. There are other uh, texts in the Gospels where we see the Pharisees joining up with the Herodians, who were Jews who, uh, were ex- who just kind of wanted Herod to do well, and he, they, they appreciated the government system. Whereas the Pharisees were totally opposed to it and called out the, the sin and the brokenness of Herod. But there were times when the Pharisees decided that to accomplish their goals to crush the power and influence of Jesus, it would make sense for them to buddy up with the Herodians, even though in any other situation they would be talking about how terrible the Herodians were. There's another clear and obvious example in the Gospels where we see, um, in one of the Gospels, it's James and John uh, talking to Jesus themselves. In another Gospel, it, it t- tells us that their, their mom came to uh, stand up for them and, and, and barter for them uh, and ask for positions of authority in the kingdom of God that, that James and John would be able to sit at Jesus' right and left. That's another one of those Babylonian pictures where we just assume that the, the kingdom of God is going to function in the same way that the systems of the world work. That God would leverage his power in the ways that make sense in the world. That his goal is just to overpower the broken system instead of what his goal actually is, which is to rescue us and release us from the system and then bring us into a completely different system. So... As Jesus is talking with Pilate, he makes this very bold and very clear statement that we need to take to heart. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's from someplace else, and it operates with different rules. And so as we want to be sheep and follow after Jesus, we want to guard ourselves by just falling into our habits and our processes of doing things the way the world does them. We think so naturally about these things. The, the battles of scarcity. Uh, I was having a fascinating conversation with Kip this, this afternoon. He was uh, asking <laughs> very deep questions about all kinds of things in the world. And um, <laughs> He had this great question. Uh, this maybe doesn't relate, but I can't escape it right now, so I'm going to share it. Um, he was like, so if God has established government and given it authority, but if the government tells us to worship someone other than God, then we're not supposed to obey the government. But 
aren't we just trapped then? Don't we sin both ways? Because God told us to worship only him and he told us to obey the government. I break his command either way. Um, so we had a great conversation about that. But, um, but he was also talking about just like if we're supposed to honor the government, but it, sometimes it makes decisions that we don't like. Are we just supposed to live with that? Are we supposed to say something about it? How are we supposed to operate in that broken system? Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, but we're often driven to serve him by mastering the ways of the world. Oftentimes, we just want to join together with other people who are like-minded. It's a very common thing for us to say these days, right? Other like-minded people. Because we want to know that we're part of a huge crowd so that we can have enough strength that our voice will be heard and that we might shape the way things go. We want political power because we want to do the right thing, right? We want to help shape society in the ways that God would like. And so it's a good thing that we, we're motivated to do it for good reasons, but God hasn't necessarily called us to use the power of the world in order to influence it. And in fact, many times, he's told us to do the opposite. To turn the other cheek. Um, to not use strength and power, but submit to authority and extend love and grace. He challenges us to trust him and pray more than... Now, we're supposed to obey him and there's lots of us that lots of things that he calls us to do. But our first instinct is often to use the ways of the world against itself. And instead, I think more often God is calling us to come to him, draw near to him, pray and let him do his thing. Um Jesus consistently challenges the disciples to see that life and leadership do not need to be understood the way the world defines them. Rather than overpowering an enemy, we are called to turn the other cheek and give what we have. Instead of lording it over others and using a position of authority as power to control or manipulate, Jesus says the greatest among us will be the servant of all. We find that riches are a trap that leave us only wanting more. And Jesus invites us to find a, a place of contentment. He said the first will be last and the last will be first and he meant it. He's turning everything upside down. I read this quote, this Bonhoeffer quote. On, ooh, I went too far. It caught up with me. Rich is changing slides and I am too, and it's, wow, that one's not even supposed to, that one's not even supposed to show up. <laughs> I, I know I disabled it. Did I not put the other slide in? Anyway, I know what it says, and it's fine. Uh, I'll just read it. Uh, but just so you know, we don't actually intend to delete or end anyone if they delete that slide. Um, 
That is the way of the world. That's Babylonian thinking. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> the cross of Christ, Bonhoeffer wrote, the cross of Christ is the act of God directed against all the wisdom of the world. We read about it in Philippians 2. That though he had everything and though he needed nothing, he left it all to enter our brokenness. Not just to experience it with us, not just for empathy, but to allow our brokenness to actually end his life. He gave up his life for us. He took on sin. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. God calls His people to a life of faith, of love, and generosity. We trust in Him and we trust in Him alone. We love each other and graciously and generously extend that love to people who have not earned it just like God extends that grace and love to us. We want to be sheep, people shaped by prayer and dependence on our Good Shepherd rather than people characterized by our independence and strength. So often we believe that God wants us to demonstrate our independence, that we can do what He's told us to do all by ourselves. Because it's the way we strive for everything else in our lives. But truly what God invites us to do and to discover and to realize is that we can't do anything apart from Him. That He actually created us and designed us so that we would be essentially and completely dependent on Him. And that life works best when we are. Our all-powerful God and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the face of the forces of the world, allowed Himself to be overtaken and killed by the powers of this world to save us. Jesus' love wins, even though it looks like it was defeated. One of the... So I, I said that I... I I love songs, I love music, I love thinking about the lyrics of songs, I love well-written songs. And, and one of the songs uh, that um, kind of brings this, the sacrifice of Jesus to head in the way that he found a different way than fighting the power of the world with the power of the world. Uh, one of the most powerful songs that I'm aware of is Jerusalem by City of Light. I just want to read the words. I'm not going to sing it. Um, I just want you to hear the depth of the concepts that are uh, captured and captivated by these words. See him in Jerusalem, walking where the crowds are. Once these streets had sung to him, and now they cry for murder. Such a frail and lonely man, holding up the heavy cross. See him walking in Jerusalem, on the road to save us.
See him there upon the hill. Hear the scorn and laughter. Silent as a lamb, he waits, praying to the Father. See the king who made the sun and the moon and the shining stars. Let the soldiers hold and nail him down so that he could save them. That's the, that stanza right there is the one that just grips me every time. When you know that Jesus has all the power available to him. See this king who made the sun, the moon, and the stars and hung the lights of space in their place. With all that power, watch him let the soldiers hold and nail him down so that he can save them. See him there upon the cross, now no longer breathing. Dust that formed the watching crowds takes the blood of Jesus. Feel the earth is shaking now. See the veil is split in two. And he stood before the wrath of God, shielding sinners with his blood. But here the end of the story as well. Because as we trust Jesus, as we submit to him as his sheep, as confusing and sometimes scary as it can be, He promises that His way will overcome Babylon. And the day is coming when Babylon will no longer have power and influence over anyone. See the empty tomb today. Death could not contain Him. Once the servant of the world, now in victory reigning. Lift your voices to the one who is seated on the throne. See Him in the new Jerusalem. Praise the one who saved us. God is fighting an important battle. He's fighting a battle for us, and He's invited us to join Him in fighting this battle. And our old nature has been programmed to think that the way we fight battles is the way the world fights battles. And we want to use all the tools that we have available to us on earth to fight those battles, because it's what we know. But Jesus has conquered the way of the world. Sin, Satan, evil, and Babylon. Not by using the tools available to the world, but by bringing us totally different ones. Love, grace, humility, forgiveness. So as we learn to be Jesus' sheep, follow where he leads, we learn a new way of living, a new way of doing things, and we trust God with his great power to do the mighty acts in simple and subtle ways sometimes, sometimes miraculous and overpowering ways, so that in the end, Babylon will be destroyed. But we, with the God who loves us and saves us, will endure forever. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you tonight and we admit that we need you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us and that you would help us to be discerning, 
that you would help us catch the ways that we just fall into the traps of Babylon. I know it happens in my own life, in our lives uh, daily, even when we have the best of intentions and we work so hard to do what you've called us to do. The ways of the world make sense to us, but we pray that you'd set us free from that. We pray that you would make your voice loud. That it would be clear. That you would call us to action and we would know when we're supposed to act and in what ways we're supposed to do it. But we also pray that you would help us recognize the times when you could just call us to fall to our knees and call out, Abba, Father, we need you. Do your work in us, among us, around us, through us, in spite of us. We know that you are returning, Jesus. We know that you have plans. We know that the hope and the glory that you've promised us are real and they're coming. So we pray that you would help us rest in you as we await the day when you bring it all to fruition. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.